Hey everybody, welcome to Offbeat Wall Street. I'm Frank Miller. Now every week we fly around the universe exchanging quips and good-natured insults, fighting megalomanic monsters, and searching for a surrogate family. <laughs> All this in an effort to bring you the best information about Wall Street and you know, the financial markets too. Now this week we're looking at the men and women who guard our financial galaxy, that is, the good people at the Federal Reserve. The Fed held interest rates steady at its last meeting, as was expected. But rates are looking to move up in the near future. So we'll take a look at what's in store for monetary policy over the next few months. Meanwhile, there's two reasons that the Fed is looking to raise rates. One, the economy seems like it's doing pretty good. Not great, but it's pretty good. Two, inflation seems like it's in control. We'll check in on both of these in this episode. We'll look at the recent jobs report, which came in better than expected. And this included a nearly decade low unemployment rate. We'll also preview some inflation reports due out this week. And as always, we'll stop over on some of the more out-of-the-way planets in Wall Street's solar system. We've got a Google co-founder building a secret airship. We've got a museum dedicated to some of the worst business decisions of all time. We've got a legendary band suing the namesake of its most famous song. And we've got a couple of markets that have gotten out of control lately. Hint, guacamole might start to get a lot more expensive. This is the uh, I Have a Plan episode of Offbeat Wall Street. I have a plan. You've got a plan. Yes. First of all, you're copying me from when I said I had a plan. I'm not. People say that all the time. It's not that unique of a thing to say. Secondly, I don't even believe you have a plan. I have part of a plan. What percentage of a plan do you have? You don't get to ask questions after the nonsense you pulled on nowhere. I just saved Quill. We've already established that you destroying the ship that I'm on is not saving me. When did we establish? Like three seconds ago. No, I wasn't listening. I was thinking of something else. Oh. She's right. You don't get an opinion. What percentage? I don't know. 12%. 12%? <laughs> That's a fake laugh. <laughs> it's real. Totally fake. That is the most real authentic, hysterical laugh of my entire life because that is not a plan. It's barely a concept. Well, after a real stinker the previous month, job growth bounced back in April. Payrolls once again rose more than 200,000 as the unemployment rate dipped to a nearly 10-year low. The government said that non-farm payrolls jumped by 211,000 in April. This followed a downwardly revised 79,000 payroll edition in March. The March's bummer had followed two straight months of growth of more than 200,000. It also represented the only reading below 100,000 since last May. Now, the leisure and hospitality sector was a big contributor to April's growth. Those industries added about 55,000 jobs during the month. There was also strength in healthcare and in finance. There was also growth in one of President Trump's pet industries, mining. April's job growth was better than expected. Economists had been looking for a figure of around 185,000. Now, even with the larger-than-expected payroll expansion, the job gains weren't the biggest news to come out of April's report. Rather, the big news was the drop in the unemployment rate. The jobless rate dipped to 4.4% in April, and that compared to 4.5% the previous month and came as a surprise to economists. In general, experts were looking for the unemployment rate to tick up to 4.6%. The 4.4% unemployment rate is the lowest since May of 2007. Well, the jobs report wasn't the only big announcement of the week. The Federal Reserve on Wednesday voted unanimously to leave its benchmark interest rate at 0.75 to 1%. That was in line with what most Fed watchers were expecting. Going into the announcement, the market was pricing in a less than 5% chance that there would be a rate hike this time around. However, the Fed suggested that another rate hike is likely in the near term. This would continue the rate hike campaign that the Fed has been on lately. The central bank raised its key rate a quarter percentage point last December and followed this with another similar hike in March. 
The Fed's signal of an upcoming rate hike comes even despite some recent economic weakness. Downbeat economic news has given policymakers reason to take a cautious approach to further tightening. First quarter economic growth was slow, the March jobs report flopped, and core inflation remains subdued. Still, the Fed continues to project two more rate hikes in 2017. They noted that, quote, the fundamentals underpinning the continued growth of consumption remain solid, unquote. The market is pretty sure that the Fed is going to hike rates next time around. The central bank is set to make its next policy announcement on June 14th. Trading in the Fed Fund futures currently points to a nearly 79% chance of a rate hike in June, and that's according to the CME's FedWatch tool. If we're going to get out of here, we're going to need to get into that watchtower. And to do that, I'm going to need a few things. The guards wear security bands to control their ins and outs. I need one. Leave it to me. That dude there. I need his prosthetic leg. His leg? Yeah. God knows I don't need the rest of him. Look at him, he's useless. Well, this week we're going to get a couple reports on inflation. Price figures have been very tame recently, suggesting very little inflationary pressure. This is part of what gives the Fed a green light to move ahead with rate hikes. This week, the government will release data on producer prices, and this is a key measure of wholesale inflation. On the last report, producer prices edged down a tenth of 1% in March. Core prices, which exclude the volatile food and energy sectors, were unchanged on the month. The government also releases data on consumer prices this week. This figure also showed a decline last month. In fact, the slide was even steeper than the one seen for producer prices. Last month, data showed a three-tenth of a percent decline in the consumer price index in March. This followed a modest increase of a tenth of one percent in February. This marked the first decline in consumer prices in just over a year. The key culprit? Energy prices. Those were down 3.2% on the month, continuing a 1% retreat that was seen in February. But even leaving out the energy sector, prices edged down in March. Core prices, which exclude the volatile food and energy sectors, dipped by a tenth of a percent in March. Economists had expected that figure to rise two-tenths of one percent. Now, the month saw lower prices for wireless telephone services, both used and new vehicles, and apparel. The lower prices for apparel probably isn't surprising. 2017 has been of a bit of a bloodbath for retailer bankruptcies, and those have hit mall-based clothing retailers especially hard. This week, we're going to get a check on the retailing sector as government sales data set to come out. Recent reports have been notably weak. Retail sales fell two-tenths of a percent in March, according to last month's data, and that followed a decline of three-tenths of one percent in February. Excluding auto sales, March's figures were unchanged for the second straight month. Well, turning to corporate news, earnings season is starting to, uh, well, get past its prime. Still, a number of big-name companies are set to report. Disney leads the list of companies set to report earnings this week. The media giants projected to report higher earnings for the quarter. Analysts are looking for bottom-line growth of about 4%. Revenue is projected to show a similar growth rate. Experts are looking for a top-line figure of around $13.4 billion. Well, keeping to the entertainment sector, video game maker Electronic Arts is also set to report its quarterly results this week. The company is expected to announce double-digit growth. Revenues are seen higher by more than 18%, with the top line growing to about $1.1 billion. This week, we'll also see reports from Whole Foods, Fossil, and Newell Brands. What happened? Uh, this guy just backed out of a deal on me. There's one thing I hate. It's a man without integrity. Peter Quill. People call me Star-Lord. You have the bearing of a man of honor. Well, I, you know, I wouldn't say that. People say it about me all the time. Okay, each week we like to wander off the beaten path just a little bit, take a look at some money stories that aren't exactly Wall Street related. Time now for our Quick Hits. I remember last week we told you about Uber looking to launch a flying car by 2020. 
If you don't believe us, go back and listen to it. You know, well, they might have some competition in the flying vehicle space. Google co-founder Sergey Brin is reportedly working on a secret airship. Now, according to Bloomberg, the massive airship looks like a Zeppelin, and it's not clear whether it's a hobby or a business plan for Brin. All right, let's go from a stairway to heaven to Hotel California. Literally, the Eagles, the band, have filed a lawsuit against the owners of a hotel in Todos Santos, Mexico. The hotel, of course, named Hotel California. And the classic rock icons claim that it's an infringement on its most popular song. The band alleges that the hotel has falsely led customers to believe that the Toto Santos Hotel is associated with the Eagles and inspired from the song Hotel California. Well, here's another place you might need to bring your alibis. A new museum is opening in Sweden to house some of the biggest business flops of all time. The Museum of Failures is set to open in June. The museum will feature a collection of over 60 epic failed products and services from around the world. It includes products from the likes of Nokia, Colgate, and Coca-Cola. The museum says that the installments provide unique insight into the risky business of innovation. Curator Samuel West started to collect the failed products online for his own amusement, but after amassing several of the biggest flops in retail history, he decided to give those items a permanent home. Hey, speaking of the risky business of innovation, McDonald's has released a new utensil. Yeah, it's been a while since they put one of those out. And have made, it's made out of french fries, of all things. It's called a, a fork. A fr- 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 I don't know, it's a fork. It's a fry-fork hybrid that has french fries for prongs. Say that ten times fast. Say it twice fast. Say it once. It's designed to scoop up all the toppings that fall out of McDonald's new and apparently very sloppy sandwiches. The new line of sandwiches include the pico guacamole, which is made of pico de gallo and buttermilk ranch sauce. Okay, there's also a sweet barbecue bacon sandwich, and that's made of applewood smoked bacon and crispy onions. And finally, there's the maple bacon Dijon, which is made of applewood bacon and sweet maple seasoning. Well, you might be paying more for that pico guacamole, though, because we're going to close out today's tour with a couple of markets that are, well, they're out of control. First up, those pesky avocados. Yeah, America's favorite fruit are more costly these days. The wholesale price of avocado rose to around $28 per 10 kilo cartons. That's almost double that of last year. And this is due to reduced harvest and rising global demand. Most of the avocados used in America are coming from Mexico, where strong heat waves a few months ago have done damage to the plantations there. And now about as far from Mexico as you can possibly go and still be in the lower 48. Looks like the medium home price in Seattle reached $700,000 for the first time in March. This was up from a mere 600000 last year. The median price in the city has doubled over the last five years. In terms of hot home markets, the Pacific Northwest looks like... Well, looks like it's the place to be. Portland has the second highest home price growth among major cities. Rounding out the top five were Denver, Dallas, and Tampa. Are you not the man this wench attempted to kill? Well, I mean, she's hardly the first woman to try and do that to me. Look, this is like from a smoking hot Ray Jack girl. Stabbed me with a fork. Didn't like me skipping out on her at sunrise. I got right here a Cree girl. Tried to rip out my thorax. She caught me with this skinny little Oscar Marion who worked in Nova Records. I was trying to get information. Ever see an Oscarian? Tentacles, needles for teeth. I think I'm seriously interested in that. You don't care. Hey, thanks everybody. This has been Offbeat Wall Street. If you like the show, go to iTunes or your favorite podcast catcher and subscribe. And while you're there, please rate and review the show. Good ratings help other people discover it. It is very helpful. Also, make sure to let all your friends know. Check out our website at offbeatwallstreet.com. Follow us on Twitter at offbeatwallstreet. ST, like you see on the street signs. And of course, a big thanks to the Big BS for shoveling all these fine words and co-production onto the podcast. Special thanks to RTT News for providing news and stats used on the show. Check them out for up-to-date info on the 
markets at rttnews.com. And as we say goodbye, just a little bit of advice about doing business overseas. You know, there's always bound to be a language barrier, no matter how swank the accommodations. The high-end community is... The high-end community is... It's a tight-knit group. Have a great week, everybody.